Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Namaste, Yoga Revealed podcast community. This is Alec Vishal Rubin returning to the Yoga Revealed podcast with a gemstone of a conversation to illuminate your day in yoga. As many of you know, a few years ago, this podcast introduced me to Eddie Modestini and in turn his partner, Kristen Bostils. Both of these senior yoga teachers have directed my walk in yoga with great integrity towards the path of being a student while learning how to teach yoga. I am honored to present to you a deep conversation that is truly needed in our time as yoga becomes more and more popular. My friends, enjoy this episode of Yoga on the Inside. Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and I'm so happy that you are joining us today. And it is always such a high gift when I get to be in the presence of two human beings who have completely changed my life. And if you've been following the journey of Yoga Revealed over the last three years, then you also are a part of that journey. And uh, Eddie Modestini, Kristen Bostils, they have been present on this podcast alone, and they've been present in my life together and alone. And this is the first time we are all sitting together for an incredible episode of yoga on the inside. And thank you both for everything. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be here, Alec. <laughs> so, you know, first question that I always ask everybody, and I've asked you too, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit. How was, how is yoga on the inside, how was it first revealed to you? How was it first revealed to me? Well, I should probably talk a little bit about my journey. Um, I came to yoga with 
intense pain. I had a lot of pain in my life and it was mostly in my back, some between my ears, but mostly in my back. The, the back pain caused anguish between my ears and my head, basically. <laughs> but um, I took a yoga class and I saw that, or I thought that I could fix my back pain with the practice of yoga. And it eventually did. The practice of yoga asanas really um, integrated my skeleton in a way that the nerve pain that was shooting down my legs and the back pain that was um, consuming my life uh, dissipated. In fact, it actually increased more in my yoga classes and my yoga practice, but it decreased exponentially in my life. Mm. So the yoga worked for me in a big way. And I first started with Iyengar yoga and then I went to Ashtanga yoga and then I, I was invited to teach Ashtanga yoga and people that were really broken were coming, really hurt. And so I needed to serve the people that were in front of me. And I started modifying the Ashtanga Yoga series into a sequences that would really serve the people in front of me. So I started teaching people. And then um, I was in the middle of a divorce and I was feeling a little bored in my, in my approach to yoga. And one of my students handed me a book <laughs> by H.S. Arun um, called Experiment and Experience Yoga in the Chair. And that's really what started my journey toward yoga on the inside. Mm. Um, H.S. Arun is a magnanimous senior Iyengar yoga teacher who's basically developed his own approach to Iyengar yoga. He was encouraged to experiment by BKS Iyengar, which is not generally the recommendation. The recommendation for Iyengar yoga teachers is to follow the rules. But he wasn't taught that way. He was taught to experiment with what he was taught by Mr. Angar. But I was taught to follow exactly the rules that Mr. Angar shared with me. So we went off on different directions and the work that H.S. Arun opened up into my life has been phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really thankful for that practice and yoga on the inside because it's made yoga fresh, new, exciting and extremely revealing. Mm. And you, Kristen? Nice, I can resonate with so much of what Eddie said. And when I first started studying with H.S. Arun, I had been in mostly classes where directions were given the whole time and they guided you through the class. And that was always really amazing and directions given the entire time can also be distracting. We're distracted by the teacher's voice, 
by trying to get all the movements correct and proper in our bodies. And Arun has a different way of approaching the practice where he teaches the posture, demonstrates the posture, and then he actually gives you the space to work it out on your own. And you're able to, or able to, <laughs> you're given the opportunity to look at what comes up and really see what's under all the surface and superficial layers of the body and the mind. And so when Eddie and I started practicing this, we not only held poses for long periods of time in silence inside, watching what was bubbling up, seeing what was being peeled back, but we decided to also look at yoga on the inside in the postures that required more action and how we could not only do a soft practice with longer holds, but a more active practice where how could we turn that attention inside and become soft in the face of the challenges mm -hmm. as well as in the face of the poses that we love? Mm. And so, you know, yoga on the inside isn't a system, but it's, a, it's a, an approach to practicing that could be applied to all systems, mm. uh, no matter what you're practicing, whether it's handstands, backbends, restorative postures, can you turn the attention in and really start to get to know yourself better through the practice of mm. yoga? And that's what I love about it. I love it. Why don't you speak a little bit, illuminate the, the journey of, of finding props or even for you in your life. You know, I know when you first came, you needed props. And, uh, you know, for you too, when you're seeing people in the room, maybe where there, there may be some initial resistance to props and, and, and why, you know, give us something on why, why are we using these props? What are, what is the benefit? What is the boon of these props? Well, the use of props actually accelerates your practice because it puts you in a position where you could really address your issues to go beyond your threshold is not where the most learning can take place. The most learning takes place within the band of a threshold where you have challenge, but you're not beyond your challenge. And when somebody has pain in the joint, it might be better to back off a little bit. And to do that, you might use support. It also, you know, so in that circumstance, you could use them therapeutically, but you could also use them to um, bend stiff areas of the body while you're at the same time not letting the flexible areas of the body overstretch. Because that's what we find a lot, that, that people bend where they bend. And yoga uh, is an integrated expression of flexibility and strength. So... Um, sometimes people, like let's just say the spine, for instance, the most flexible um, joint in the spine is between the 12th thoracic vertebra and the first lumbar vertebra, where 
The same bone has the ability to twist. It also has the ability to flex and extend. And it's right at the bottom of the rib cage. So the rib cage tends to bring structure to the thoracic region. And with that structure, it brings some stiffness. And then the lumbar doesn't have any ribs attached to it. It doesn't have a cage wrapped around it. So, and it, its function is flexion and extension. And there seems to be a hinge in a tremendous amount of yoga students right there. So their back bend just goes to that one spot. But with the use of props, you can encourage the back bend to be over the entire spine, not just that one joint. And you could do the same thing in the neck. You could do the same thing in the thoracic spine, the same thing in the lumbar spine. It, the use of props just expands the range of the flexibility and the strength that you use when you're performing these asanas. And how could you speak to what you just said with also expanding the longevity of health in your spine using these props? Can you speak to that? Because what if what if we're just going at the hinge joint over and over and over in these back bends and or whatever, whatever the pose is without support and without proper structural integrity in the body? How have you found that now at your age, you've got a healthy, strong spine? What what <laughs> one of my teachers just said to me once, he said, Hey, fast Eddie, how do you break a hanger? And you bend it in one spot back and forth, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then it gets really hot and then it snaps, right? So the body's kind of the same way. If you overuse one, one area of the body and you go back and forth on that particular spot over and over again, it's going to wear down. You want to extend your bend or your, flex or your flexion or extension or your twist over the entire spine or throughout the entire body from hands to the feet, from head to the feet, from feet to the hands. You want to extend the the action from point A to point Z. You want it to go the whole way. What do you think? When I was first given a block in Utita Trikonasana, I was upset. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Because I felt this was, you know, over 15 years ago, or maybe 12, 13 years ago, I felt... Like I could put my hand on the floor. I could do that. And so my experience with props when I was younger in my practice was definitely one that was fueled by my ego. And I felt like if I was giving, being given props that, you know, I wasn't good enough or I mm. couldn't achieve the pose well enough. And when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and had my double mastectomy. It's now been three and a half years ago. I was forced into the props. And 
what I needed to do to change the roundness of my spine that caused my shoulders to come forward was not achievable without props. The only way that I could affect real change in my body was by embracing the props, embracing Mm -hmm. the practice where there's not movement fueled by breath, but that I had to stop, get in the poses, stay, and learn to build the muscles in my body properly so that I could stand up straight and not have congestion in my chest and my back. And props really gave me, and give me to this day, real access into the poses. They drive me deeper into trikonasana than if I put my hand on the floor. There's just such an extreme difference. And so I think that the the attitude of practitioners can sometimes be, I don't need that, push that aside. But if we're just open to the idea of getting deeper access into the body, sometimes that requires pulling ourselves back, rewinding ourselves to go more back to the basics and to use the props as as leverage to to change our body. I know both Eddie and I, um, we live bending our bodies over props, whether it's forward, backwards, and we've affected the most change in our body um, by doing that. And mm. we love them mm. so much. And and I think, too, it's important to, to not be addicted to them mm-hmm. and to... Mm use them in a way that really helps you, but to be able to move in a direction where they're not needed also to achieve the same types of actions that you're going for. Right. You know, it's, uh, I reflected, it's funny, October, 2016, first time I came and studied with Yoda, you gave us a note card and you said, uh, write your three most important postures on the note card. And, uh, I wrote some ridiculous things and you looked at it and you're like, you try again. I gave you the card back. <laughs> you gave me the card back. <laughs> and you said, try again. It was like, and I, I know that one of those postures was Ekapata Shirshasana, foot behind the head. And you laughed. And, uh, you know, now I recognize that my three most important postures are a series of maybe seven or eight postures that are changing on a day to day basis and what I need today. And they're quote unquote basic, but <laughs> so complex. And, uh, you know, it's, um, I almost don't know if the listeners would be interested in this yet. I find it fascinating because here I was studying from some really incredible human beings before I met both of you. And yet I didn't receive the attention in my physical body on a, what my kneecap was doing or what, what, what my shoulder blades were doing and, and where the back bend was going in my spine or even what my personal spine looked like. And once I received this level of intention to help me do my own work, something really has shifted in me on what it means to be a student. And I'm trying my best. I'm doing my best. And what it means to walk as a teacher with with a, uh, a torch of integrity, which you are walking, both of you are walking in the line of tradition and creating access. As you said, Arun demonstrates the pose is pretty quiet. 
And you both have this beautiful middle ground. I really believe you allow for there to be space and you provide a level of instruction and in, in, in teaching for people to really grasp, for your students to grasp what yoga on the inside is based upon their personal form. As you said today, in this month-long immersion here on Maui, we're in the final fourth week. We have two days left. Oh my God. <laughs> what a journey. <laughs> eh? Okay. You know, you're like one word, one sentence does not fit everybody. You know, and, and I, I really just have so much respect because, and, and I feel like and what I'm curious if you could explain is something as well-known as Utita Trikonasana, the triangle posture. Can you give us some directions that maybe some people haven't ever really focused on in their own personal practice for them to pay attention to on a, on a general basis? Because you even said there are instructions for the general class and then there's focal points for individuals. Well, this is a great question, Alec, because what something that our teacher said to us uh, probably just a year or two ago, he talked about conducting a class versus teaching a class. And if I were to lay out some directions for Trikonasana, I would be conducting you mm. to do certain things. And, and what we really love is having people in front of us that we can teach individually, like you said. And so for some of you, you need to straighten your leg more in Trikonasana and, and really focus on getting your leg as straight as possible. And that might mean that you're really forcing your leg to be straight, where some of you go beyond straight and you hyperextend your leg. And so if you were in front of us, we would need to have you bend that knee a little bit and all of you could lift the kneecap. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're going to get general, whether you're hyperextended, flexible, and you're, you're backing off and having to micro bend your knee, or whether you're, you have stronger legs and you're really working to get your legs straight, the legs are always engaged mm. when they're straight in yoga, whether they're in the air, in Uttita Trikonasana, and so it's, it's an interesting question and we love to be in front of students mm -hmm. and that's where we can transmit, you know, the best teaching. And, and you mentioned like finding a middle ground of sharing a pose and then teaching individuals. We really love trying to stay as close to tradition as possible and giving people that one-on-one -on -one mm feedback. Mm -hmm. So giving the general shape of the pose and then really working with people's bodies because people come in the room. And if you're a yoga teacher listening in, people come into your room with hip replacements, with back surgeries, with cancer recovery, with emotional disturbances and all those things have to be dealt differently with in those students. And so that's really, really our, our goal. So mm. sorry, I don't have any I think that's great. I think that, that, that goal right there, thank you, expand on that. What, what is your aim? Where is your aim as a teacher of yoga? What are you aiming for? Mm. 
Well, that's an interesting question. What is my aim um, in teaching yoga? I'm interested in helping people get what they want out of yoga. Mm. Everybody comes to yoga for a different reason. And, um, you know, there is what you want and there is also what you need. And usually you come to yoga because of what you want. And then during the process, when you stand in front of a good teacher, you find out what you need. <laughs> and what you need has a lot to do with learning how to care for yourself properly, which is a journey in learning how to love ourselves more deeply. And I think that's the essence of yoga, that yoga has the ability to teach your, you how to love yourself more deeply, mm -hmm. how to truly care for yourself. And when you're giving yourself what you need, it might not always be what you want. It might not be what you like, but what you it's, it's really serving you when you get into the idea, well, I need to do this for many different reasons, for my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health. And that's what yoga has a tremendous ability to offer. It can serve so many, it can serve, yoga is for everybody. I don't, you know, you don't have to be flexible. You don't have to be in shape. You don't have to be underweight or overweight. You, it serves everybody. And that's why I love it. And that's why we love to teach people because mm -hmm. all kinds of different shapes and sizes come with all kinds of different needs. And um, we try to help them find what how to serve themselves because ultimately we are our own best teacher. Mm. Yeah, I would have to agree with the aim. My definitely my passion and my purpose of teaching is to help people. And there was a time when my practice was, it just kind of stroked my ego. I have to be honest with you. I did a lot of what I wanted. And nothing really changed in my life. My patterns stayed the same personality-wise. My patterns in my physical body stayed the same. Uh, I was doing the stuff that was fun for many, many years. And then I met Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie really, after the first class with Eddie, I said, wow, that's yoga. Mm. And so started this path of really looking at the stuff that made me bubble because that stuff, as much as I did not want to do it was what I really needed. And that is what really changed, you know, my physical body and now more of the personal patterns that weren't serving me. And I'm super thankful for that yoga. I think for a lot of people, I often hear people say yoga saved my life. I agree with that. Yoga saved my life. It served in one purpose for many, many years for me. And then following my double mastectomy and my deep depression from that experience, yoga was, was there for me that whole time. And it really, truly did get me through that really, really hard time. And so 
there's nothing I would, you know, nothing that can get in my way from sharing that with other people. It sounds like you held and hold, you know, speaking past tense during that time in your life, you held a really strong faith that this was going to get you out to put you in. For sure. And, and that faith was not something that I was able to cultivate alone, but that Eddie really helped me to see and to, and was my reminder. You have to trust this. You have to have faith. That's the only way because these, what you're going through is traumatic and it's really hard and you can just fold and not believe that this is going to help you or you can just keep going to it every single day and have faith that this is going to pull you out. And, and that's really what got me through. Well, to watch you overcome your barriers, especially through that surgery or those surgeries. I mean, Kristen went through two surgeries um, to deal with her cancer. And um, I don't know, you know, it was easy for me to stand on the side and say, this is what I would do, but I don't know that I could have done what she did. She um, jumped over many hurdles in this process and to watch her go through this metamorphosis, um, we're being, being brought back to a place where she couldn't lift her arm even to her shoulder to now doing full back bends. Um, she su surpassed all the, the restrictions in her being and emotionally as well. I mean, so she's, she's an inspiration to me. Kristen was um, a student of mine, yeah, but now she's a teacher. She's a partner. She's really shows me how to go beyond, how to reach past what we think we're capable of and to extend not only our body, but extend our mind, extend our emotions that into places where, um, where we need to go to grow. And so she's a tremendous inspiration to me. She's been a great student, but now She's a great teacher. Mm. Oh, thank you. you know, we, we, we've all got these hidden battles, right? These, these stories inside. No one wears a sign on the front of their chest expressing what's happening. And in light of holding faith and trusting in the process, you know, what advice would you have? What, what, what gift could you offer to those who are listening, who are in their life right now, and they're being faced with something within themselves and to push through and work, work through these obstacles that life brings? What would you say? Yeah, I, I think that um, when you're in it, it's really hard to see this, but that it is going to change. And, it, and whatever you're going through, whether it's illness or relationship or 
uh, depression, it will shift. And that's the faith that you have to have, that this moment is just a moment, or maybe it's many moments or many days of moments. And it's go it has to change. And that you, you know, it's interesting, it kind of, this question kind of reminds me of, of BKS Iyengar sharing about his practice when he, when he didn't feel like practicing. Sometimes you have to force yourself in a direction. That sometimes you have to just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, <laughs> stop feeling sorry for yourself, and get help. Whether it's from a friend, from your yoga practice, from a therapist, whatever your hardships are. Because like you said, no one wears a sign and everybody out there is suffering. Everybody listening, I'm sure you have something in your life that is causing you dis-ease. And, you know, it's not fair for me to say, oh, everything is going to be just fine. <laughs> because sometimes you have to really change to get out of a situation. Mm. And so I know that's a couple different pieces of advice, um, but they all really matter. Know that this moment is a moment. Get help from your friends, family, or therapist if you if you don't feel like you can lean on friends and family. And sometimes you just got to dust yourself off and, and really force yourself to make a change. Hmm. You know, I, I love what you say when, you know, seeking counsel from someone else and, and speaking personally, you know, over the last three years, both you two in so many ways, from teacher to playing with the boundary of a friendship and, and, and the journey of our business. And you both have been invaluable in helping me process the death of my friend and my own relationship and my yoga. And, and, and in light of the student-teacher relationship, I think this is a good segue. For those who are listening who are seeking their teacher, what words of wisdom do you have for what is, you know, the shistya and guru, the, the student-teacher relationship and how you walk that in tradition and how you offer that to your students? What, what do you hold for your students and what could, you, what could you offer to the people who are listening who are still seeking their, their teacher? Well, you know, it's just, it's a personal connection, I think. Um, for me, I started yoga, uh, I think, 38 years ago. And um, in, I was practicing yoga for about a year. And then I went to San Francisco and decided to study with many different yoga teachers to get ready for... BKS Iyengar coming to the first Iyengar yoga convention. And um, so I was sampling all these different teachers and I walked into, into a class one day and all of a sudden I got hit by this lightning bolt of energy by this teacher and I knew that he would become my teacher. And I've been studying with Manuso Manos for like 36, 37 years. 
And um, I continually, I didn't go to classes regularly all that time, but I would check in with him maybe every year, every couple of years, uh, sometimes more than a few years went by when I didn't see him. But now I, I am studying with him more regularly and assisting him in some classes. And um, I'm thrilled to have an objective eye on me with somebody that I feel I could trust. Moving me deeper into my personal journey of what it means to evolve as a human being. Um, and I don't get a lot of correction from him these days, um, but I love being in his classes because I gain insights that I know come from his personal practice. And that's what's exciting to me, that I'm studying with somebody who is working on themselves on a regular basis. Um, whether it's a hip, a knee, a shoulder, your emotional blocks, your mental blocks, it, this man is evolving. And it's the same with H.S. Arun. With H.S. Arun, he sets an example in his life that I want to follow. Mm -hmm. I've seen Arun in many different, very difficult situations in working with students, in his everyday life. I One time I witnessed him in a car accident where um, he was hit while he was in a car and I have never seen him lose it. And I admire that because I see a lot of people get pushed around and react, but Arun is an individual that is unreactive. And that's what I aspire to because there are things that push my buttons still to this day. I've been doing yoga almost 40 years and I get my buttons pushed mm. and um, I react and I, I would like to be more equanimous in my expression and to have a teacher like H.S. Arun, who is so consistent, so calm, mm. so level, is very, very important to me. So I have two teachers. Well, I have more than that, but I mean, Kristen's a teacher of mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, you know, almost every circumstance I'm in is a teacher of mine, whether it's a disgruntled student or a commanding teacher, um, I find that we could learn from every experience in our life. If we put our openness of heart in that circumstance. You know, momentary reflection on what you said that I think you can expand on is yoga's chitta vritti nirodaha. What is that? Because you just said it and what you're seeking. Well, Patanjali says that the body is the easiest vehicle to the mind. And the chitta is the individuated consciousness, the individual mind. And to cease the agitations and calm the fluctuations of the mind, 
the mind, we're taught to be very fluctuating in our mind these days with technology, with all the flashing lights, with all the changing of circumstances that we're involved in. Our mind is very jumping, like it's some people refer to it as monkey mind, the monkey jumping from one thing to another all the time, right? So that's not very peaceful. So what, to cease the agitations and calm the fluctuations of the mind is more a stream of consciousness that is unreactive and consistent. So Arun manifests that in his life mm-hmm. and me watching him through days and days of studying and practice and sharing <clears throat> time with him seeing him in different circumstances, you know, in foreign countries that he's not used to being. Like like I said, in a car accident, that was the thing that blew me away the most. Because I ran, I was in another vehicle, and I ran to be of, of assistance to him and thinking that, oh my God, you know, how can I help here? And there was no help needed. Mm. He was just so level, so calm, and he was seeking to help the people that he had the car accident with. <laughs> well, that's so beautiful. You know, I, I thank you. I think it's it's so beautiful. You know, just to further that reflection, and then I'd love to hear from you in light of the student and teacher, Kristen. You know, one of my favorite translations of Nirodaha is is suspension because it's a hovering of all these thoughts that are bubbling that are boiling that are wrapping and whirling around the the bundle of thought that's our mind and to create a suspension of this rapid fluctuation in a stilling a still point of being I, i really enjoy that so thank you for that Reflections, awesome. So, you know, Kristen, I'd love to hear from you in light of um, student-teacher relationship and and those who are are seeking to find a deeper journey into their studentship, into their teachership. Yeah, this is a great question because you, if you look on any yoga teacher directory, there's like over 80,000 registered yoga teachers in the world. I mean, in the country, not the world, the U.S. alone. So if you're listening outside of the U.S., this is the number for the U.S., (laughs) over 80,000. So it can be very confusing. And what I recommend and what I actually stumbled into when I met Eddie, I didn't know the level of teacher that he was. I was uh, gifted a yoga studio (laughs) to own and teach in my community and uh, was forced into finding a convenient yoga teacher training and it happened to be with Eddie. And so I stumbled into into somebody who was one, he was the only person between me and BKS Iyengar, Patabi Joyce, some of the, you know, the gurus that shaped yoga today. And so 
beyond, you know, when Eddie introduced me to his teacher, Manuso Manos, and then we started studying with H.S. Arun together. Both of these, all three of these teachers were direct students of the gurus. What they, they, that was their teachers. Those were their teachers, excuse me. And so I really encourage you, if you're listening and you want to take your practice deeper and are really seeking a teacher, to go to the people who are closest to the top of the lineage. Because as the lineage starts to, if you get more and more people, it's like a game of telephone. The yoga starts to get diluted as it continues down the line. Mm. And stuff is missed. And there is a great you know, detriment that's happening as we're moving through yoga teacher training very quickly in our modern age and just going out and teaching, um, you know, really going to the people who didn't have yoga teacher training certification, but they were given the approval to teach by the great masters because of one, they practiced and they really showed their teachers that they were on that path of personal practice. And, and two, because they've had years, decades to develop their teaching and seen thousands of students and learned how to, to look at thousands of different bodies. Um, I think that this is detrimental to this, to yoga really staying steeped in tradition. The more people that can study with this generation of teacher that is actually quickly going away. There are not thousands of teachers who studied with BKS Iyengar and Patabi Joyce. There just aren't. Uh, maybe maybe uh, hundreds, if that, in some circumstances. Um, so really seeking those people that, are, that had that opportunity and soaking in as much as you possibly can. And, mm. and if they're not accessible to you, studying with their senior students. Mm. I love it. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful perspective to hear and be heard. You know, I feel that when I first started to study with you guys, it definitely had me recognize, wow, I was having the most important questions answered in my mind on what I care about in my yoga teacher is a, how long you've been practicing, how long you've been teaching, who's your teacher? And how often do you go and see them still? Keyword still. That should never stop, you know? And uh, I, I've, I'm just in honor and in awe that, that you both have received me to be able to study and to learn myself through this practice. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to segue into another topic. What is your perspective on the yoga of relationships? talking your relationship, like how have you seen your yoga existent within your partnership, you know, and the partnership of, of each other and in life through yoga, the lens of yoga? Everything in our life revolves around yoga. <laughs> and I think that, you know, BKS Iyengar says this in his book, Light on Life. But if you're really going to walk down this path, you need somebody as your partner who's going to do it too. Because 
it's very hard to have the support. I can't imagine. I mean, I've been in past relationships, even on the beginning of my yoga path, where actually the path I was walking was the rift. That me seeking more of yoga, more studying, wanting to chase it, wanting to have the time to do my practice was causing the relationship to disintegrate. And, you know, being in this partnership with Eddie, it's, that's not even a question. That's, we push each other, motivate each other, teach each other and keep each other, you know, hold each other accountable in our practices. And that's really inspiring for me. But what, it, but what I really love to see is, um, you know, how our practice in yoga really influences how we take care of each other. Mm. Because every relationship, you know, no relationship is easy. We right. just, you just put that out there in the, you know, maybe the first year might be easy. But relationships, you're with the person at their best, you're with the person when they're at their worst and you're at their worst. And this practice of non-reaction and looking at, you know, challenges as maybe approaching them with a little bit of a softer side. I've watched over the last, you know, few years us really move into a space of, of supporting each other, even when times are tough. And, and more so when they're tough and just understanding that we both have our struggles and, and our practice really informs how we treat other people, not just each other, but, but everybody in our lives. And I'm super thankful for that. Mm. And I just love that we can just talk about yoga all the time and not, we don't get sick of it. <laughs> well, we don't get sick of it, but my kids do. <laughs> Are you guys talking about yoga again? Unbelievable. But, you know, it's what's what I love about um, what I love about being with Kristen in relationship and sharing yoga is that I have a partner that's willing that doesn't bug out when I wake up at 430 and start practicing pranayama in the bed. You know, it's like that we, you know, that I could I could get up do my bathroom regimen, get back into bed with my pranayama setup, and <clears throat> focus without being disturbed. And then all of a sudden I realized that Kristen's sliding into bed with me to practice her practice. And it's not, you know, I don't feel like she pushes me into doing yoga, but she inspires me to pursue my own particular relationship with yoga. Um, and I love that. I, I, love, I love practicing with her, and oftentimes we're doing very different things, where I might be... Like yesterday, for instance, I was um, bent over a stool <laughs> for 
a, cr- <laughs> a crazy amount of time, probably 40 minutes, while she did headstand and shoulder stand because we were serving ourselves. Mm. There was not any talking. It was really quiet. But we were both like really steeping in our own practice. And it's great to share that. I, I love that. And I love that if I need, I could ask her a question. Mm-hmm. And she's pursued yoga enough where most of the questions that I have, she could answer. When she has a question, she relies on me. It's something that we share. It's a passion that we share that is moving in a direction of personal evolution. Mm-hmm. We're supporting each other in our personal evolution. You know, you come here alone and you leave alone. And I really strongly believe that you should pick the relationships that are going to help you evolve the most when you're in this life. Mm. And that's what I feel like I'm doing with Kristen, Mm. that she's helping me evolve as a human being. And I really think that she feels the same way about me. Mm. I'm so thankful for you in that way. And I feel like you've really, Eddie's really, really shine the light on that because I've never really experienced that in a relationship where my partner is really interested in me evolving in Mm. myself, not necessarily us growing together as one, but really, you know, Eddie holds me accountable in the things that don't serve me and has really helped me to let go of things that made me worry or unhappy or just bogged me down. And I'm so thankful for that evolution and support. Mm. It's huge. Thank you both for that gem of, of yoga for relationship. That's really beautiful to, to witness as well, truly. Both the years together and alone evolution. Thank you. So you said something about steeping in the yoga when you're referring to your relationship. And we've been doing that all month. Steeping very deep. And like I said, fourth week, two days left in this immersion. You know, give us um, just a little download on, on what have you seen in this immersion from the students from day one to day 19 of five to six hours a day, six days a week practice. What's seeing you? Well, I, I, see, I see these students being willing to really confront their boundaries. You know, that, that it's, it's not easy to, to go up against what's difficult. And that's kind of what happens when you study with Kristen and myself. Um, we have a way of seeing what your greatest blocks are and presenting that to you. What you do with it is up to you. 
but the students in this immersion have shown such a tremendous willingness to go beyond, to step past their own restrictions. And that's a, that's a quality that, that you want to pursue. That, like something that we say to students is, you know, it's not just accountability, it's capability. Mm. A lot of students don't think they're capable. And we hold our students capable. You can do this. You're stronger than you think you are. And that's important. A lot of teachers can be somewhat limiting. And I don't want to limit my students. And I've seen through an immersion like this that it is my responsibility to hold people capable because I know the students here didn't think they could do what they've, they're doing now. <laughs> I mean, they came in with a one-minute shoulder stand, a two-minute shoulder stand, some of them, and shaking like a leaf. And today we did a 21-minute shoulder stand and they were stick strong, like in it, like really. And, and I was like, look at the strength that you're creating in your spine. And that reflects in your mind and that reflects in your heart. And you've done yourself a great service. And I love the fact that we're teaching a yoga immersion we're immersing ourselves deeply in yoga and not it's not about a teacher training we're not training people to be teachers we're training people to be great students of yoga when's the next one the next immersion is going to be august 2020 here on maui at the beautiful Maya Yoga Studio out in the jungle of Huelo. And we are so stoked. And I, I think that everything that Eddie said was true. And it's been so beautiful to witness what daily consistent practice, how quickly that can change one's being. Because we're all busy. And it's sometimes easy for us to push aside the practice because we have all sorts of responsibilities and time limitations but when you really just visit something every single day it transforms very quickly mm. and we're able to witness that through these students and they're so you included Alec in this group just so willing to take a look at what we're presenting as as blocks because it's easy to be the yoga teacher that makes everybody feel good but we're in the business of, of really helping people find what holds them back. Mm. And this has been just such a blessing to, to work with people who are willing to look at that without reaction. Mm. So what's your experience, Alex, as, <laughs> as being a student in this immersion? I mean, you know, you, can, you came very capable. You can do a lot of poses. What, what, ha, what have you, what's your takeaway from 
this experience of diving in what we call diving in deeply mm. to your own practice and what your needs are. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's so personal and it's so like the individual journey. And that's really what it's come to me to see how how deeply personal the journey and in, in my reverse curvature in my spine is and to be able to what it means to take care of myself. You know, like there was a day where we, I was in shoulder stand with the group and my neck just couldn't take it. And I came out and Kristen looked at me and was like, dude, be unattached to shoulder stand in the middle of the room. Take the chair. And I laid there and I just sat with let let the let the pain just settle i let my body relax and i had a genuine tear fall down the corner of my eye through this surrender of varagyam you know just just letting go and letting it be and and you know the last uh two weeks i've been taking the shoulder stand in the chair which very specific setup far too complicated to explain that you Kristen, showed me um i got it down i know what i'm doing in the pose and i feel that 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 setup for me is just the essence of what it means to take care of myself. I feel like I'm walking away from this knowing how to take care of myself and how to address myself in the posture, just like we were in Prasarita Padottanasana with our hands on two blocks, not folding forward. And for me personally, the, the, the attention that needs to be brought to my lumbar spine, my ribs, my personal upper thoracic and my neck is not specific to the person to my left or my right or anyone else in the room because it's specific to me. And for me to have that greater awareness, I, I didn't have that at the beginning of the month. And you've been telling me this for three years, yet it has taken me so long to really wrap my mind into my body and install my, as you say, my consciousness into my spine. I got my kneecap. And I still need some support every once in a while. And you definitely come and yell and do the things because I'm focusing on my spine. And then it's like, as you said, it's okay for the legs to fall away if you're drilling your spine, not necessarily pounding, but I mean, for me, focusing and pushing and aligning myself in one specific space. Because, yeah, I have a capable spine and that's been an incredible blessing and a curse and an opportunity. So I feel that I'm walking away from this, learning how to take care of myself in a true way where he even looked at me and was like, dude, if you're for real, you aren't going to pike anymore ever. And I definitely made that face. <laughs> and that was for me, for me personally, for my spine. That's not supportive for my spine. There are other things to create a strong, healthy spine for me. Well, you know, it's, I showed you, I remember <laughs> showing you a, a picture of BKS Iyengar piking. With, without reversing the curves in his spine. And I, you know, I said, if you can pike like this, that you're, that's, then I think it's healthy for you. Give me 20 years. Yeah, I, I, you got 20 years. But the thing is, that's, what, that's the great thing about yoga. There's a really high ceiling. Yeah. But for you, in order to pike, you reverse the curve of your spine. Right. So what... Is the, is the pose, is the process important or is integrating your being important? So it's not what you can show or what you can do, but how you practice yeah. to take care of yourself. Yeah. It's really, it's, a, it's about self-love. It's mm -hmm. about self-care. 
It's about self-realization, realizing what we need individually to take care of ourselves, mm. I think is the essence of what we're talking about here. And that's why I love the term yoga immersion, because we're immersing ourselves with taking care of ourselves. And is yoga self-centered since all this talk about the self? Yeah, in a sense, yoga is self-centered, but it puts you in position to really care for everyone around you, which is what we desperately need. Mm. Look at this earth. Yeah. We need to take care of this earth. We need to take care of our families, our children. We need, it's up to us to provide the atmosphere that people grow in. That's what's juicy about this that conversation. Well, you know, I, I know that we could keep going forever and ever. And I appreciate this time and this transmission that you brought. And I'll be able to provide your email and your Instagram information so people can reach out to you and ask questions about yoga for women in their journeys with cancer, about yoga on the inside, about this immersion in August. So I'll, I'll put your Instagram and your information for people to get in touch with you. And uh, just one final gem of wisdom that you would offer people on this day, on this moment, as they walk forward, what would you say? Keep doing your practice. Mm. No matter what, keeping with your practice and being consistent is what will keep you connected to the path. It's, it's, if you let it go for too long, it's sometimes hard to restart. So even if it's just one pose a day, make sure you do something. What do you got? Golden gemstone. Final gem. Final gem. <laughs> have fun in your practice please yes. let your practice be inspired enjoy it don't let it be a burden mm. if it's a burden maybe you should question what you're doing it should be your inspiration mm. well thank you so much thank you. Namaskar. namaskar many blessings yoga reveal thank you so much for listening to this episode if you want to catch Eddie and Kristen, visit their website at eddymodestini.com for their up-to-date workshops and retreats. If you are wanting to dive into a month-long immersion, August 2020 in the Maya Yoga Studio on Maui, I will be attending another Yoga on the Inside immersion. And if you're curious about more information, feel free to email me, aleclovelifeyoga at gmail.com and I'll put you in touch with Kristen. Over the last few years, I have met a few Yoga Revealed listeners through some of the teachers we highlight, and this has been such an incredible honor to share this transmission with you in person. I hope to see you there. There are only a few spaces left for the dedicated yogi. And we at Yoga Revealed are here to share with you all the health upgrades that help us operate with more presence and vitality as yogis. Back in 2017, Eddie and Kristen shared Purium Health products with me, who make the highest quality organic non-GMO superfoods and CBD products, and soon, Reef Safe Sunscreen. Everything is grown with love and intention, harvested at peak ripeness, dehydrated raw, and living at 60 degrees Fahrenheit, tested down to the molecular level. Instead of buying your superfoods and greens and 
CBDs from the store. Get them from ishoppurium.com and use our code, one word, Alec Love Life Yoga. You'll get $50 off or 25% off your order of 75 or more, and you'll be supporting Yoga Revealed and the work we do at the same time. Stay tuned for more potent episodes on the Yoga Revealed podcast to nourish your life. Feel free to connect with me on the IG, Alec Love Life Yoga. Your brother is sending love from Colorado. Thank you for listening. Namaste. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.